This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Welcome to this week's special interview. I'm thrilled to have with me today Ian Thompson from the University of Birmingham. You're a professor, Ian, and you've also got a foot in the banking world. It is great to have you with us. It's good to be here. Ian, for people that haven't come across you, we'll put your bio in the show notes here, but just tell us very briefly the world that you live in. Right now, I uh, sort of like a, almost like a full-time research academic, trying to develop better understanding the new ways that businesses can begin to transform so they can actually future-proof themselves and, and, sort of, and optimize their value-creating potential in the changing kind of scenario that we've got just now with the many different kind of pressures which are coming from environmental pressures, social and economic pressures. And, and in some ways, about, it's about kind of building resilience for things which come from nowhere. You, you know, who, who would have thought last year we were looking at supply chains in the context of a potential European war. I'm very interested in risk, evidence and decision making and innovation and how all these things come together, how they're all aligned in ways, because often you find that the really powerful, I think, transformative and successful businesses are how they assemble all these different things together in unique configurations, but also able to change agile to change to to different different circumstances. Yeah. And you're co-author of the book Urgent Business. Are we seeing burning platforms in a lot of these areas where businesses now need to do something about the environment, about sustainability? Is that what that was about? Very much so. The main message, kind of like, I suppose we sum up in the, the book is do something. One thing you can almost guarantee if you decide to ignore some of these big environmental and social pressures, so for example, climate change, you're not going to survive. The other thing what we try and do in the book is we develop this idea of positive pathways. And actually, it's not about seeing this as a threat, but actually seeing that often businesses are already much further on the sustainability journey than they think. It's like how many agricultural businesses want to perpetuate hunger? It's actually their job is to do it. How many people want to damage and destroy the communities within which they live? And in many ways, what we try and do is try and say, look, sustainability is, is actually quite natural to us as humans in society. Because it's like, it's how, we, how our societies have existed, you know, over the last kind of like 10, 15,000 years, we've sustained. What is it that made us successful in, in, in sustaining? And as often it's about rediscovering these different kind of characteristics. There is an urgency now that I don't think we had before. I think there's ideas of planetary boundaries where, you know, we live in a finite planet. And, and as you said, <laughs> we're eating ourselves up too quickly. We're heating ourselves up too quickly. And we're seeing the consequences now. And so, so therefore, not to do something is all I, I kind of think, if, if you like, and, and I know other people in, in accounting do feel this as well, not to do something is professionally irresponsible. We recently had in, in your homeland in Glasgow, COP26, was it, which is this sustainability summit with the world's global leaders has that changed anything ian i think it, i think it has it's made people realize that this stuff has got real a lot of this thing started back in rio so rio 1992 the rio declaration but when when we sort of look at things to do with right now it was 
bringing it together. And, and one of the interesting things I thought of it is, is, is very much an accounting sense is that one of the big victories of COP26 in getting people together and thinking about it was actually to do a stock take next year, which is very much an account in terms of what are we doing, what's likely to happen, starting to get some serious planning. Different ones like Paris made the concept. COP26 has actually started to say, what are we going to do about it? How can we make it real? It actually pulled people together, got them in the same space. People were seeing new ideas, innovation technologies. They were um, riding on a hydrogen train. So no longer kind of sci-fi stuff. You know, you get a shot to go back and forward. We can start to do this. So in terms of actions, Ian, our accounting listeners, what can they do to be more sustainable and help the businesses and individuals they serve be more sustainable? Well, it's a very, very good question. And there's long answers and there's short answers because sustainability is, is, is rather, in some ways, a rather complex system. I think the key thing is not to think of it as becoming necessarily more sustainable. To actually think about the actual decisions anytime you've got a choice to make within a business. Say, for example, climate change. We could say, okay, how, how, can I, how can we work out the carbon footprint of our business? That's an interesting question. But to me, you want to improve things. You want to reduce your carbon emissions. And what you want to do is say, well, what is it that we can do to reduce our carbon emissions? Businesses are actually weak and fragile kind of institutions. And, and society and the environment gets rid of them, <laughs> you know, kind of like kills them off when they're not fit for purpose. People running businesses are not aware of all of the risks to the organizations. They're certainly not always aware of the costs. They often uh, trapped into the thinking that what, what's, what it's costing us today will be the same for the next, in the next few years. Whereas I think accountants have the ability to look at these factors and to plan ahead and to financially model these things and actually look at them. And again, it's like you, you talk about things like climate change. You've just got to run some different scenarios on the fossil fuel cost, the cost of petrol, the cost of gas. Run them through some of your spreadsheets and then start to see the extent to which these things start to challenge the, your business model. And if you're dependent upon, and what you've got to also look at, I think is really is to say, as a business, what are we dependent on? Who else are we dependent on to actually to deliver the things that we need? And what are the different scenarios that are actually there? If you're in clothing, you're kind of like dependent upon potentially fast fashion, which has got a kind of major problem with, for example, a modern slavery, forced labor, environmental kind of practices. How likely is your business to continue to depend on those kind of raw materials, those products being provided at virtually kind of really, really low prices? Can you survive it? Is this the same as ESG, the Environmental Social Governance Agenda, Ian? It's related. I, I see the, the ESG as, as a way in which people are trying to translate sustainability into business context. Because it is about managing risk, isn't it? And those non-material resources and growth opportunities. It absolutely should be. And it's like, it's it's very much about trying to get a, a multi-dimensional account of what the business does. So rather than just looking at the financial account, which is, you know, just one dimension of a business's performance, 
is to look at its performance against a range of different different kind of like characteristics. That's part of the problem, though, isn't it? It's the reporting of ESG. It's such a woolly subject for many people. It's a bit vague. It's a bit fluffy. It's getting the hard facts on it. It's a, there, there is a there is a mixture of of the two of them. I mean, I think it's it's pretty flawed just now because I think ESG has evolved from um, voluntary disclosures and it's very fuzzy. So people companies just choose to disclose what the kind of information, they choose how to calculate, how to measure things. And for me, one of the problems is that ESG has evolved from these different voluntary initiatives. And it's now this kind of many-headed monster. When you look at some of these 300 question questionnaires that, that businesses have to fill in and put the data in and then translate it into, into some form of accounting, it really has, has lost its root in what it's actually trying to, to achieve. There's been a little bit competitive pressure. Everyone's trying to create the, their best ESG score, their metrics, their, their data to actually to do things. And they're competing against each other, which really muddies the water, which means that even when you do get numbers, you often find it very difficult to interpret the numbers or to compare it with different numbers as, as it goes along. In the business circles, we've all heard the Peter Drucker quote of what gets measured gets managed. It's a famous one. Is that very much a case with ESG and sustainability? It, it very much is. The rest of the quote, I think, is is, is really telling because what it was... <laughs> Share it with us, Ian. <laughs> so what it basically says that what gets measured gets managed, even if it's pointless to do so. And if by imagine, managing that way, you actually harm the business. Most people think, oh, well, that means we should we should actually measure things. Whereas actually, the, what it's saying is, no, you have to be really careful about what you measure. You have to think about what you measure. Well, some things you want to manage, you can't measure easily, can you? That's the point. That's the point we try and make in the book is that when you can measure something really accurately, you often don't need to manage it. You need to administer it. You can easily control it. You can set up automatic ways of things. If you imagine you could actually create, based on your accounting numbers, a, a kind of system and then walk away from it and then let it manage itself, like it might be labor time, it might be you know, labor efficiency, without any human intervention, that's, that's actually going to... The point is, is, for businesses, it's all about, it's about orchestrating, assembling, aligning different things. And okay, you might have one good measure, but it's almost like about how you combine these different things together, because they all have knock-on consequences that, you know, if you... I remember a great example of working it, and it was a cheese factory making uh, frozen, you know, frozen mozzarella for pizza. And one of one of their, their engineers managed to kind of develop this way that saved something like about half a pence on a bag for a two kilo bag of cheese and was really proud of themselves. However, it had a treble bus train and this cheese was selling for about two thousand pounds a ton. And there was this, they were saving, they kind of like they missed the focus. They, they were kind of measuring the wrong thing because they didn't have a thing for wastage to burst bags. Well, accountants as a breed, though, they're overladen with data. There's so many data points now. There's so many things to measure. So you're bringing in more data by measuring a lot of this stuff. Is there a chance that we get lost in the minutiae of the detail? I, I think we can. And I think I, this is where I think there's a lot of we can actually make take advantage of new technology. We can manage multiple data points. I mean, the, the Excel spreadsheet is, I remember where our first Excel spreadsheet had, I think it was 32 rows and, and, and eight, eight columns, and, and you had to fit everything, everything onto there. Whereas now, you have thousands of columns and data, and people can actually handle that complexity when it's properly assisted with technology. 
Things like you can start to use data visualizations, plug in your kind of your data, and then you get ongoing graphs. It's, I've seen some nice ones that are like, almost like, you know, the CT scan type thing. This is a changing approach, though, for accountancy and who you, you know have traditionally looked backwards, historical in their reporting, talking about what's happened rather than what is going to happen. But I suppose you would argue that this is what businesses need right now in, in predictions, risk assessments. Who else in the organization is doing that type of forward looking and not just in an imagining kind of new products, but actually taking what's the consequences of the decisions and how we're running forward and how we can actually start to use stuff like AI or machine based learning or pattern recognition. You know, they're open sourced. You know, if you want to, if I to analyze something, you just walk into the nearest university or school or scratch, scratch surface and ask, ask for some help. And they can now start to do multiple scenarios of, of it where you can actually look at the data, run it through five or six scenarios and identify the pattern of behavior that, that's actually needed. You know, accounting has developed quite a lot in its use of IT. In fact, it's one of the, you know, the first applications of it. We now need to embrace it. I mean, there is absolutely data everywhere. Should we choose to ignore it in accounting because it gets a bit complicated because it doesn't fit and how you were taught to do a budget at university, in my case, in 1981. What advice would you give to clients as we draw things to a close? The clients of accounting firms for whom these issues are more important to them than the accountants. So they want their advisors to step up, to do something, to give them better data so they can make better decisions going forward. I think they need to be able to ask the right questions and better questions. So, for example, what is our climate climate risk exposure and what's the cost of different energy procurement strategies? That would make an accountant sit up and take notice that they need to get some data. Well, the point is, is that they'll be asked to do that, you know, with, I suspect, about five years time, it'll become mandatory. And they want to get ahead of the game. What else can they ask these business clients of their accountancy? I think they can look for financial vulnerability and financial risks. We did a, a small piece of research. We looked at the main constraints of a set of industries, like what were the kind of the planetary boundaries that would affect a particular sector? So if it's water and water-related businesses. Then we looked at the accounts and the material kind of like risks that they were disclosing. And we found that very rarely was it actually identified. And it's because the accountants were following reporting guidance to come up with, with this. Whereas what you maybe should have got was the production engineer to come up and say, for us, this is the critical limiting factor. What would we do? What would be the consequences if we couldn't get this? Things right now which are constraining businesses and looking at different scenarios. You go, how confident are you in your, in your financial projections? <laughs> yes, that's a good one for accountants. That would make them a little bit edgy. And in this VUCA world that we live in, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, you'll be very well aware of that phrase. Accountants definitely need to be that lighthouse in the fog or the darkness of shining a light to say, this is the way, walk in it, and here's the data to back up that. I can't agree more because they, they really need to do that. They also need to, I think, to develop skills about working out where the data is and trying to be quite innovative in some of these different things. I mean, um, my son is doing an internship in the UN looking at, um, you know, kind of forestry and stuff like that. And he was telling me that there's companies now who are actually, you don't need to worry about forestry management or impact and stuff like that, because you can actually get real-time um, sort of scans of, of ecosystems, 
of emissions of kind of pollutions from satellite data and you can actually kind of download onto your system and the thing is if you're not doing it somebody else is that's the that's the thing so it's like the you know particularly looking at this um open open data you know kind of interoper interoperable data that you can actually include because many of the things that previously as accountants we thought we couldn't do so working out impact modeling and um, things like what's the impact is of sea level rises for example these are just a click away now that you can actually integrate and as you said it's like the lighthouse you look in but you know where to look and you know what data is uh, available what advice would you give to the accountants listening that know this is important? They want to get to grips with it. They want to make some initial steps. They want to get a handle on this. They want to offer more value and serve their clients better. How do they get started? Well, first thing you, you could turn to our webpage, which I think is there. What we try, what we've tried to do on on our on this this the Center for Responsible Business, is actually identify a number of these stages, and we talk about. We've developed a series of positive pathways that business can actually start to develop. And, and in there is accountability and some, some accountability measurements, uh, steps that people can actually take and how it links in with a range of, of different, different activities. So I would suggest that you have a look at, have you look at our webpage. We've got some guidance here. We've been working with the Institute Chartered Accountants of England and Wales and the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants to develop tools and techniques. We recently co-published a report on with the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants on how accountants can start to integrate sustainable development goals into their accounting practices. And you're UK-based, Ian, but presumably this applies all over the planet, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing with the Chartered Institute of Management, they're a global institution, so they've got a massive footprint. The other thing is, is to go to your professional accountancy bodies. There, there's um, some amazing um, CPD courses. They're all doing something in this space. And often these things, if you've got to do CPD, why not spend your time looking at sustainability and looking at, looking at these risks? You get the same credits off it. It, it opens your eyes to, to new potential. Well, you, you're very passionate, Ian Thompson. Thank you so much for your time and your insights today. That's been great. No problem. Thanks very much.